Welcome to day two at F3. Let's uh, hit the gong to kick this thing off. Yesterday, Mike Lombard hit this thing. It reverberated for like five minutes afterwards. There's a mini gong. The best gong ringer is going to ring. There's about two or three people who are waiting out here who said they wanted to hit this before we kick things off. One of them's from Ty. Come over here, you. Right over here. Come on over. Oh, we got two from Ty. Come right here, Chris. Hello, Chris from Thai Software. Come on, Chris, give it a whack. Pretty good, pretty good. Gentlemen over there, come on up. Where are you joining us from today? Power walk, brother. There we go, Sean. Sean from Samco Freight, Cincinnati. All right, give it a hit. Before I cut, bring more of you up here. One more. Who wants to come up? Well, I got one more of you. I'm going to let it hit right now. All right. You will. Oh, then we're going to get a double hit from Ty. Okay. Hola. Your name? Vanessa from and Ty. Very good. Very good. Hey, this has been a great event. I don't know if you guys caught it this, uh, this morning. Bradley Jacobs, he did a Q&A, and it was awesome. Like, in 2019... My first event here, Brad came out and um, he did the same thing. He walked out through the script on the ground and he's like, open mic, open questions. He was amazing. He answered one of mine. And I thought his, um, his answer was really interesting about the freight recession. I asked him if this is the worst he's been through. And he didn't sit there and he wasn't like, what was me? And you can tell from like, the way he thinks. He's, he's such a conqueror in a lot of ways because he's like, this is what creates opportunity. We wouldn't need brokers if this was a flat market, if it wasn't cyclical. And he got into tech. And again to AI and the future of automated bookings. It's really interesting. I'm curious what you all think afterwards. And I'm, some of the guests that come up here, because uh, that room was packed. It was really cool. We've got an awesome show today. We're going to kick it off with our first guest, the uh, host of our awesome barbecue party that we have at every one of these events. It's Dan Curtis over at Triumph Pay. Come on, Danny. And you got a ring at the end. Oh, you want a double ring? He just broke the prize. It's insured, don't worry. Hit this. He couldn't wait. He was chomping at the bit. Come on over here, Dan. A little tight, isn't it? You enjoying the show so far? So far, just gong ringing. Did you catch uh, Brad Jacobs? I did not. You did not? I was traveling. You'll have to watch the replay. By the way, all of you who are unaware, if you missed any of these sessions here, they're all available on demand. You can catch them afterwards. Dan, your team can catch you. You can send us to Triumph Pay. Awesome. They can check out the show. Very good. Yeah. What's on your mind today? What's a big issue for you guys right now? Well, I think for everybody right now, fraud and double brokering are big issues. You know, Triumph Pay was started to kind of make back office efficiencies available to brokers and, and uh, shippers, as well as to have some fraud prevention capabilities and to make access to funds easier for carriers and factors as we've kind of grown and, and put a network construct in to move data in a structured way between those parties we've really focused on the verification of that data knowing exactly who everybody is in the party and trying to use tools to root out double brokering and fraud within the industry dan when is this worse because they, they say it's a climbing mm -hmm. issue and you you would think that in a great market where there's tons of freight 
this would be a major problem. It would be harder to sort out. But it seems like in this down market where it's harder to make money, there's more fraud than ever. Seems that way. I've been in the space for 21 years. Um, right now, there seem to be more intentional bad actors, bad actors trying to get fraudulent credentials, trying to set up factoring companies that look like they're legit and they're not, and then using whatever methods they can to get payments directed to them versus the right party. And so it takes a ton of data to root that out of the system. You can't, they're, they're so good, there's organized crime involved, there are people that have studied how we interact as, a, as an industry, and the less freight there is, the more time there is to do that. I'm really curious about one point that you say organized crime. Is this U.S. organized crime, or is this, is this a global problem where they're attacking U.S. freight as well? I think it's both. Yeah. I mean, as, as we you know, have partnered with Highway and done things to really look at who is moving, who could move this freight, who is the real party on the other end of that transaction, both from a financial and from an operational standpoint, we have found there are many avenues that people are taking to get into this industry to try and defraud us. And that, it, you know, some of the estimates that we've done, five to $700 million of double brokering going on in the industry annually. And 700, some, did you say 700, 700 million? million? And you know, a lot of that freight does get moved appropriately. It's just not moved by who said it's being moved by. So yeah. if there are problems with it, if there are claims, if there's an accident, if there are payments that don't get made, you need to know the verified party on every side of the transaction in order to make sure that everyone is safe in the part, in that, that line. What, what is the difference between what we're talking here? Because a lot of people, you bring this up and they go, oh, you, well, there's co-brokering, and, and what's the big deal with double brokering? But there's a, there's a lot more to it than that, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, co-brokering, when when I was in the brokerage space directly, we would do agreements with people that could move freight where we didn't have capacity for that certain kind of movement. So we would put in a structured contract yeah. that we knew who the parties were to the transaction. The shipper knew who the parties were to the transaction, and all of that worked well. If you represent that you're going to move freight and you send someone else that has no obligation to that freight or to the payment of that to the dock to pick it up, then you've broken all the chain of custody that's appropriate. You've broken um, the verified parties in the transaction. And so it is, a, it is a, a problem in this industry that needs to be rooted out. And we all need to know in a 100% accurate way who's moving freight, who's tendering the freight, who's going to get paid for the freight, who's providing financing on the freight. We need it all. And that's what we're doing at TriPay is putting a network of structured data in from shipper to broker, to carrier, to, fa to factor the carrier, that allows all parties to be verified. We've done internally this Triumph Net, which takes 10 million discrete records yeah. and ties them to all of the parties that have bank account information tied to that, who have MC numbers, who have um, all of the, the verifying data so that we know exactly who someone is, and that's how we make payments so safe. That's how we prevent some of these fraudulent actors from gaining a foothold in the marketplace. What, what happens when TriumPay uncovers fraud? So we notify the person that we're paying on behalf of, right? We, if you think about what we do, we're not deciding who gets paid. That's a shipper or a broker who has freight to move. We don't have any freight to move. We just have instructions to pay the parties in that. So we notify the people that we're, we're paying on behalf of. It's a very important distinction of our services is that we don't decide those things. We're instructed. We are doing something on behalf of someone, and it involves payment. We don't make a decision, so we inform. Hey, we think because of the statistics of this carrier, it's impossible for them to move this many loads a week. And we think 
they would likely be double brokering. Would you like us to make the payment at your direction? Mm. And so that's how we kind of notify that that there why could isn't be this, Why isn't this, this might be a stupid question, but why isn't this a law enforcement problem? Why is this a Triumph pay problem? Why is this a shipper problem? Why isn't this, why isn't law enforcement doing anything about this or are they? I, it's hard for me to say why they wouldn't when we have yeah. engaged them, not Triumph pay, but in my past, when we have engaged them on fraudulent carriage or double brokered or they, it, it is impossible to get a resolution from them because they, they just stay out of that from a criminal perspective. And so if the loads are stolen and if there's a criminal ring that is stealing nuts out of California because they can ship them overseas and make a bunch of money, then law enforcement has a much better play into the credential stealing or you know the fraudulent setup of a factor or a carrier that it's just a tougher path for them to go down. Is this like a shock to shippers or car- will inexperienced shippers you see a lot of those who have not experienced double brokering or fraud and they get into it and they realize that there, there is no Johnny Law that can help them? I think it is. I mean, I think the, what, what covers a lot of sins is robust anything, robust yeah. freight market. And it's outside of freight too, but I think what happens in those times is people just turn the, they, they're just not paying attention to what's really going on, and it gets worse when things are slower and when things are more difficult, which they 100% are right now. And so I think the awareness of those things and to have a solution that can help root them out I think people are much more willing to listen at a time whether they're not overrun with freight that they're making 300 bucks a load on and, and, you know, and just not focusing on some of the things that long-term have systemic you know, value loss in this industry. So you mentioned structured data a few times. What is that? Why is that important to this component of stopping fraud? So if you think of how paperwork moves within the industry, there are a lot of inefficient ways, bills of lading, proof of delivery. Everyone wants to know paper-wise that we've signed and we've all agreed that these are the things that are going on to move this freight. That can all be handled, it's all unstructured, it can be sent through emails, and that can all be from an OCR, from, from other formats, put into a structured data where anyone integrated into that network, that data can move between them in fields that are all the same, so everyone knows who the, who the payee is on this and that that is verified information through that network. Who is really going to move this load? Am I as a factor buying a verified load from a broker? And all of that can be done without phone calls, without emails, all of that unstructured way that this industry has decided is the best way to prove that the load is being delivered appropriately or that we're financing the right party in this. That can all be moved through structured data in a network where everyone it goes directly into their TMS or their FMS, and it verifies all of the fields that need to be verified to know that this person should be paid, this is the right load ID, this is the right um, delivery date, will pay date, everything in that can be moved in a structured data manner. So you don't have calls, emails, faxes, if there are any of those anymore. Do you, do you see AI, like it's an arms race between the good actors and the bad actors, do you see AI helping to stem fraud or helping to increase fraud because it, it does give bad actors those tools? I haven't worked for a fraudster, so I don't know how much yeah. they're... <laughs> like what they're thinking, how tech they are? We are definitely using machine learning to get better at every piece of data and matching that data through our network. Yeah. It's, and, and even in what I mentioned TriumphNet earlier, those 10 million discrete records that are tied to verified pays with verified bank, bank accounts where we've gone through today the veracity of that account. It's ongoing operations. 
who is the owner, what is the right route, and all of those things, those are things that we use machine learning to get better at doing that. And, and then it's all done in an automated fashion so that we have the most up-to-date, accurate information for everyone in that supply chain cycle of who is getting paid, who is getting financing in that arrangement, and what load is really being moved. Wow. Well, Dan, who should talk to Triumph Pay today? Now we're, we got it live. We got a virtual version of this, and we got the live networking one. And Brad Jacobs said we may all have implants and have, like, <laughs> Apple goggles on, and we won't even have to go to the event. But then my question is, like, if we have Apple goggles on, how is it the same? Like, we're not, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not fully there yeah, on that one. Not yet. But people here who are not virtual, they want to come to Triumph Pay booth. Why should they? And what are you going to talk about? Well, every broker, factor, shipper, if there are any carriers here, that is our goal is to have that when a load is created in a shipper's ERP for that load information and that remittance information to be moved through a network to every party within that load, if that carrier is factoring that load, if that broker is moving that load, if a carrier is moving it directly, that all of those parties be integrated into the network so that we can create those efficiencies for them. One, we provide a 100% verified move with verified remittance information, and we also eliminate the need for people to be doing that work within any of those constituents within that load movement. So anybody in the supply chain space, that's what we're trying to welcome, warm welcome to Triumph Bay, come get on the network, and, uh, and we can do it for you. Well, thank you. I'm looking forward to your barbecue a little bit later, yep. and thanks for stopping by the show. You bet. Thank you. Everyone check out Triumph. You kind of already hit the gong. Do you want it to? It's, it's, it should kind of be at the end. Do you want to take one more shot at it? No, I think Eric Barr should come up. With Where is Eric Barr? Eric Barr, we need you up here to bang this gong. By the way, Dan, I have a hat for you before you walk off. Is that Eric Barr right here? He looks pretty strong. Come on, Eric. Well, all right. Well, I might. Justin, do we have an extra hat? Justin says we have an extra hat. Then you're good. All right, we got to bring Richie Daigle up here. He promised he'd do a tomahawk. Come on, Richie. Get up here. Put that water down. Power walk, man. We're on live air. Come on, buddy. Richie Daigle. Come on, man. Are you, do you want to? Are you going to do the, to the tomahawk ring? Should he do the tomahawk ring? Tom, this guy used to be a pitcher. Our next guest is a baseball player, too. Hi, everybody. All right. Let's give it a shot. You're nervous? Don't be nervous. Awesome. That was awesome. That was incredible. All right. Meanwhile, meanwhile, here we go. This is the EV bus, right? We all love tech. We all love green. I don't know if you heard Alex Epstein this morning. Interesting uh, conversation. This is a bus. This happened the uh, other day in SoCal. The brakes failed on this electric bus. It ran out of power in San Francisco, and it crashed down through multiple vehicles. San Francisco's been having a lot of trouble with tech. They just kicked crews out of there. It's been a tough time. Speaking of baseball, Richie Daigle, he's a former pitcher. We got another baseball player coming up right now who went from baseball to AI. It's John Baird, Enterprise AI Solutions expert over at HyperScience. How are you, dude? What did you think of that tomahawk throw? That's going to be tough to beat. It was tough to beat, yeah. I'm gonna yeah, sit right here. You're just going to be like a batter. Yeah. Now, you were drafted by an MLB team, weren't you? Yep, I was an MLB, MLB draft pick back in 07. Had a little cup of Cup of coffee with the Rays. Yeah. Um, college baseball player before that. Uh, the University of Cincinnati. And now I'm in a competitive marketplace with uh, Enterprise AI. What position did you play? I was a pitcher, right-handed pitcher. You were a right-handed pitcher, not a knuckleballer? No, not a knuckleballer at all. No, well, I was a, a 
my kid was my kid. His little league team was on the race. They didn't win a single game all season, but in the championship, they won the first game that they played before getting eliminated. And it was like a massive moment. So let's, before we even get into this, let's compare this, because I don't always get to talk to like a professional baseball player who went to AI. What, what about the MLB or uh, the baseball system is similar to operating an AI? I would say the competitive landscape, right? You're, you're yeah. seeing more and more companies touting their AI capabilities. We've been a, a true AI company at our core for almost a decade. Um, so dispelling myths, competing for commercial space uh, customers, and now in the logistics market, we're having some successes trying to go out and find new customers. Wow. Okay. How do you go from baseball to AI? I think it's all a matter of perspective. Um, yeah. You know, it was it was a it was a route for me. I I, I sold analytics and then came on to hyperscience um, because of the solution that we offer our customers. And I think it's again just a competitive 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 landscape. You know, if you listen to, did you see Brad Jacobs up there? He said something very interesting in the answer to my question, and he said. You look at all these margins, and you look at the brokers who are going to survive in the future, and they are going to be automating loads at scale. Um, does AI facilitate that? Why do we? What's the need for automation? Is it survival? Yeah, I would. I would say we do need it, um, especially in the back office. Like one of the last guests just mentioned, um, the back office is typically only about sixty percent automated, and that's through small tasks. Um, with hyperscience, we're able to take on you know large end-to-end -end workflows and and really automate ninety-eight percent of the off back office that's not being automated today. Yeah. We mentioned this word a lot, though, and it, it sounds it's like AI. It sounds and it's like, what is it actually doing, though? Like, what, what's a use case? How is this being applied in this space that will make sense to everyone who's listening? Absolutely. So taking, like, rate confirmations and comparing those to bills of lading, um, typically you have teams of human beings, you know, doing this, two, three hundred, thousands of people um, having to stare and compare at documents. And so our software is able to work through those problems and solve for those problems. Interesting. So do you have, like, a real-world example, though, of that happening? Yeah, we, we work with customers. We're a private company, so we can't say who we work with necessarily. Yeah. Um, but we have some, some customers in logistics space that are getting incredible outcomes, highest accuracy um, and highest automation rates in the marketplace. How, so how do you achieve that? Yep. So we use machine learning models and computer vision um, to compete against legacy OCR and other technologies that, that can't compete. That you're, you're going over my head. What's OCR? Wait, let, let's, let's keep this at the left. We're sure. just learning here, man. <laughs> I apologize. What is, what's computer vision and, and what is OCR? Computer vision, we, we build machine, machine learning models to search through documents just as a human would search through documents. It's able to read documents just as a human would read it at the accuracy levels and automation levels, um, at the top auto automation levels in the industry, but higher accuracy levels than, say, a human. So you can set the accuracy at 99% in the platform. 98.5% uh, is typically what humans are. Um, and we're able to automate against that accuracy target. Interesting. Interesting. What should... what? If you wanted to hyperscience, if we came over to your booth, for example, we go over to hyperscience, and I think you're a newer name here. I don't think I saw hyperscience here last time, so right. everyone's getting introduced to you. What are you saying at your booth? Come let us take a look at your documents. Come, come let us take a look at your processes and um, allow us to, to see if we can move it in-house. Here's a good question. How do you get them to do that? Some of these guys are very secretive. They'll, they won't let you inside, they will, especially that guy Matt over there. <laughs> I would say, um, you know, strategic partnerships, obviously building relationships, but we do demonstrations and proof of concepts to make sure that clients get the accuracy results they need before they ever sign an agreement with us. So how are you reducing human intervention, and is this bad for humans? No, so, so there's, a, there's a high rate of, of attrition in these jobs, these data key in jobs, um, so we're able to reduce the amount of, of, of lift that humans need to do. Um, the VA is a great example. We serve the VA, saving $50 million a year, reallocated 800 FTEs to different positions. 
Um, and we're able to get veterans their money back uh, in three hours compared to four weeks. So that's what we're trying to translate here in the logistics market. We're having some early success, and that's why we're here to partner with other logistics and supply chain companies. Interesting. All right, well, where will they find you out there on the floor? We are at Booth K6. Booth K6. All right, well, you got to hit this gong. you got to get off the stage right now. It's very nice to meet you. we got to see if you... I don't know. Daniel's going to be tough to beat. Lombard's tough to beat. I'm going to have to have the audience vote on that one. I don't think you're going to beat Richie Dago with that one, but it was a, it was a nice try. By the way, we got room for two more before we have the next guest. Who wants to hit this gong? Come on. You're going to win a mini gong if you do it. That gentleman right there. Come on up, sir. You look excited. Do we have any steamers out there? Anybody from steam? Come on. It's your gong, steam. We got Nicholas. What? Oh, oh, oh Nikio, and I'm with Fleet Corps, also Freight Dogs. Good to meet oh. you. Finally! Hey, come here, give me a hug. This guy I know on, on Twitter, and he's anonymous, and I never met him. Like, a lot of you, I've only seen, like, a little AVI, and uh, he's just revealed his identity. <laughs> Boo him! All right, that was a little better. <laughs> Maybe you should have stayed anonymous. Maybe you should have stayed anonymous. We got one more? Come on. Come on. You right there, Indava. Come on. <laughs> Let's get it, Michael. That's a good one. That's a good one. All right, elsewhere. That's me at this event, like half the time opening my camera and like seeing it's on selfie mode. <laughs> All right, let's get Joe Patus up here. He's a partner over at Soap Creek. Joey! Come on, baby. Come on, sir. Oh, he's got a cheering section, too. Have you, uh, I've been warming up for this as well. Yeah, I've been, you know, mentally visualizing it. I'm ready. I'm excited to meet you. Sit down, sir. For those who don't know, and they weren't at TI last night to see the, uh, like, the event TI introducer MC. Yeah. Um, what is Soap Creek? So we're effectively a family office for Kevin Nolan, who yes. was the introducer of TI last night. Hey, did you see him busting out there on the oh, floor? Oh, yeah, he was he feeling was, it. He was he bringing was feeling it. it. Um, and I know that you know Kevin, for those that don't know Kevin, he's a yeah. serial entrepreneur in the space. He started several businesses, a few of which are very large, NTG and OTR market he, He's a legend. If you don't know him, you don't know anybody. A absolute legend. And Marquee Insurance Group and Payhawk as well, which I think are actually sponsors of the show. Yeah, right here. Go Payhawk. And we got Marquee Insurance Group. Yeah. And so through some of those successes, Kevin wanted to start investing in other entrepreneurs. And so he opened up his family office so that we can deploy not only capital, but also expertise to help other entrepreneurs grow and scale their businesses. Are, are companies really thirsty right now? I think companies are excited to grow, and there's yeah. a lot of opportunities. Even the fact that you know it's a, it's a down freight market, it's a tough environment. There's yeah. a lot of good entrepreneurs and a lot of good businesses. Out so, there. like, what do you invest in? What do, what is Kevin and your team? What do you look at? And you're like, this is a winner. This is going to move us forward. Yeah. So broadly, it's anything within the transportation logistics market. Yeah. We'll look at kind of lower middle market businesses that are kind of your more traditional logistics businesses where. Perhaps they're growing well but need capital to expand, or they're looking at different M&A opportunities. We'll invest in businesses like that. We'll also invest on the VC side. So anything the Seed Series A, these entrepreneurs have great ideas and are trying to move the industry forward. We'll bring capital and expertise on the front end uh, to try and assist them with that. 
So we hear a lot of like the new, like remember when blockchain was a big thing? Everyone was like, blockchain, 2019, so 2019. Now AI, we just had a guy up here talking about AI, a lot of guests talking, Brad Jacobs, talk, everyone talking about AI. You excited right. about AI? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a piece of the ecosystem that's not going away. It's here and yeah. it's here to stay. And I think there's a lot of people that are trying to pursue the space from different angles. And you'll have certain players that are trying to build their own technologies in-house. And I think something that we're really excited about are these entrepreneurs that are building technology for brokers, for carriers, for shippers, so that they can use the technology rather than build it themselves. Interesting. So who's in your portfolio now? So we have a pretty broad portfolio um, on both the buyout and on the venture side. I mean, there's a couple of venture... Hold on, for, for me and those of you who are not like VCs, what is the buyout versus venture side? So the venture capital is typically big ideas. People are coming in with technologies that are very nascent. And yeah. a lot of times you burn a lot of capital in order to grow the business. Yeah. On the buyout side, it's more traditional, such as a brokerage or okay. a parts distribution business, which is something that we're looking at today, where they are cash flowing and they're really just looking for capital to uh, expand their growth. How, how does your approach differ between the two? Because it, I, I imagine the, like the VC side has to be much riskier. Because you gotta go out and you gotta be like, all right, there's 30 companies out there. Three years from now, there's those, there'll be new companies, but they won't be all those companies. Correct. There, there's certainly different approaches. I think on the buyout side, we're really looking for an entrepreneur that wants a partnership. So someone who has started to build a business has proven that they can grow a business, but ultimately what they're looking for is a partner to help them fund working capital, go look for different M&A opportunities, think about their own internal tech stack. But ultimately what we're trying to do is back an entrepreneur that has a growth vision and make sure that they have all the tools they need to succeed. What is pitch death right now? Like, what do you not want to hear? You're like, nah, not at all. For us, a space that we don't really play in is the later stage on the VC side. So when we do come and invest in a new opportunity, that's going to be generally seed or series A. So we're looking for businesses that are post-revenue. They're not just an idea. They have proven that they have a customer base. But once you've gotten to a certain size, we don't really play in that space. We leave that to different VC funds. So unlike the scale of value when you're getting a pitch, what, what weighs more, a good founder or a good idea? Good founder. By a hell of a lot, right? At, at the end of the day, you can have the best idea out there, and if it's the wrong person leading the idea, it's doomed to fail. Yeah. If you have a great founder, and you need a good idea, but ultimately, that's the first checkbox. It's, are we backing the right person? Is there anything out here you see today that you haven't invested in yet that you think is exciting. You don't necessarily have to name names, but anything that really excites you. Yeah, I think there's a lot of good uh, businesses out here. And I think what's really interesting is even the, the last Freightways conference, which I think was six or seven months ago. Yeah, in, in Cleveland. In Not Cleveland. Tennessee. Cleveland, Cleveland, other, Ohio. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of new businesses that are here today, which, which shows that despite the market, you still have a lot of people that are coming in with new, fresh ideas and trying to provide services and new technologies to the industry. So people approaching you, Kevin Nolan, your team, they're out at one of these events, they're like, hey man, I got this idea. How should people be pitching you? Like, what, how do you like to be approached? Yeah, I, I, I guess it depends on the opportunity. I mean, a lot of times, the deals that we invest in, oftentimes are not even coming through a traditional pitch. Sometimes it's NTG or it's OTR that's utilizing the service and those teams say, hey, we really like this product or service. Let's, let's link up with the founder. Let's hear what they have to say. Sometimes they're raising, sometimes they're not, but it's really more of almost building a network. Yeah. It's not very often that we are actively going and trying to reach out to a certain type of company. It's more of using our network to try and find the best entrepreneurs and the best ideas. And they almost 
come in organically rather than having to go and proactively reach out. Interesting. Well, people who want to reach you, you got a booth over here. How do they connect with you? How do they talk to you? So we don't have a booth, um, but I'm walking around. A couple of other members on my team are walking around. Um, and you can go to our website, SoapCreekCap.com. Feel free to reach out to me directly or anybody on our team. Very, very cool. Well, thank you. It's time to hit the gong. All right. Let's go over to it. I have, uh, I have a lot of faith in you. Is your, is your team watching? You? Any Soap Creek team members here you got to impress? All right. Tomahawk, but it'll be tough to beat the Tomahawk. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad, especially for a first try. Now, I think I see, is Boris out there? No, did he walk away? He went to go get a drink of water? All right. Anybody want to hit this gong before we go to the next guest? There's a competition going on up here. There we go. Come on up. Look at that. The brave men. Oh, and Phil Moody will be up here, too. Phil Moody going to represent Platform Science. Has anyone tomahawked it? Of course they have. <laughs> name, name and company. Billy Donovan, Donovan Logistics. Beautiful. Billy Donovan. Strong, 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 and Mr. Phil Moody, Freight Waves alumni himself right here, now with Platform Science, always a good Moody. Thank you, brother. All right, dude. Good to see you as always. You too. Boo this man. Boo this man. Yeah, you got to go one. I can't end on that. There we go. And Daniel Pickett, the architect of Sonar, come on up here, man. I don't know if you know Daniel Pickett. You've seen him around. He's done a couple fireside chats. He's kind of like Oz behind the scenes. Yeah, I'm, going, I'm going full Happy Gilmore Gong uh, strategy here. So I've seen you eyeing it. Oh, uh, did you trip? Did you trip? Uh, yeah. Kelly, you already hit this, didn't you? You already hit this thing, man. All right, who do we got next? I think we got Michael. I got Mike and Mike, don't we? We got the two Mikes. Come on up here, guys. You kind of already set the table, but we'll let the other Mike hit to, to end it. Yeah, thank you. What's up, guys? We're Great to see you. You too. And Dava, you know, I, I really hadn't heard that name a ton. What, what are you guys up to? Yeah, so you know what? You, uh... Sorry, let me get in here. Yeah, sure. So you, uh, a lot of people haven't heard of us because we're a British company. Interesting. So, uh, but we are traded on the uh, New York Stock Exchange. DAVA is our ticker symbol. Uh, we have about 12,000 employees. So we are a very substantial company. However, we are not, uh, we're a British company, again. So, but yeah. we are, we've got offices all over the globe and we are. Uh, so you're like the Mr. Bean uh, of freight. Yeah, we're the Mr. or the, oh, we'd like to think of ourselves as the top gear of freight. The top gear of freight, that's a little better than Mr. Bean. Yes, yes, thank By the you. way, I, I was so excited to find out what the company was. So introduce yourselves. So I'm uh, Michael Beeler. I'm VP of Digital Supply Networks and Logistics. Uh, Michael Unruh, happy to be here. I'm the Business Development Manager within <laughs> Supply Chain. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of Michaels out there in the world, and you, you can never get too many of us. I feel like there's a Michaelverse. So if you're Michael, go ahead and come on up on stage. Maybe don't do that. Find your but place in the Michaelverse. There's, there's quite a bit of us out there. <laughs> I, I, can't help but, I can't help but notice neither of you have a British accent. Where, where, we where are you guys out here from? So we're both from Texas. Okay. But uh, most of the people in our executive management teams, they're in London. Okay. Uh, and Davos started out really in, in, in banking, you know, being in London. And then we branched out in supply chain, logistics, retail, uh, healthcare, and, and some different... Uh, verticals. So, uh, but we're uh, 
Michael and I are, are uh, in the, the digital supply chain, digital supply networks. The digital supply logistics. networks. Which is, when you look at supply chain, you know, it's that, the supply chain management, supply chain is linear, uh, but Deloitte is calling it digital supply networks. Yeah. So, you know, we, we, we are a technology company, so we're, we, we want to stick with the, you know, with the times. So we, we're actually, we're a global uh, technology and software engineering company. So we're not a product company like a lot of the people here. We are, we're a proof of concept company. So what that means is people, companies will come to us with an idea for a new product or application and we'll do the discovery, architecting, and uh, actually build the software for them or the application for them. Uh, a lot of the times we'll do the architecting here in the U.S. And then we've got uh, nearshore uh, Offices down in uh, Latin America, about 2,000 employees down there, and then cool. 3,000 employees in Romania. So we're we're spread out. We're all over the place. So a lot of people out here, there there there's tons of freight tech booths. They're thinking about what to invest in. There's VCs here. Yes. There's company owners. They're all looking at it, and they're all probably wondering: with freight tech, should they go and build it, or should they go and buy it? Yeah. So that's a that's a great uh, great question. Uh, so for us, you know, there there are different. Types you've got like your foundational software, like your TMS or or a control tower, which are sort of your your foundational software. We don't see a lot of people coming to us to say, "Hey, we want to build the TMS." They're like, "We're you know we're, we're going to go with you know with Turbo or Merge." And there's there's a lot of good products out there, but we are a as a technology company, we're heavily invested in artificial intelligence, in digital twins, in IoT, in RPA. And one of the things, I, I know you've talked a lot about generative AI, right? I a little think everybody, bit. just about everybody on the show has, has talked about AI. A, yeah, a little bit, but like, I, <laughs> I, I, I still feel like I'm, I'm trying to learn more about it and understand where the handle is. And like, as much as I learn, I feel like I'm getting even more confused. <laughs> and, and because there are a lot of different flavors of AI. Yeah. And one of the, so I, I've heard a lot of talk about generative AI. Yeah, and one of the uh, which you know it's it's out there and there's Chat GPT and there's a lot of different flavors. It makes of weird pictures and it, yes. and is a pathological liar sometimes. <laughs> and it just yes, check always check your facts. Yeah, but we are heavy into uh, uh, synthetic data, which are you what, what, with this? yeah tell us what synthetic data is first. So okay, as an example, have you have you seen the movie Jurassic Park? Of course, I've seen the movie Jurassic Park. Okay, so in Jurassic Park, if you remember, they uh, they had that uh, they they found some sap, like a hundred million year old sap, and it had a, a mosquito yeah, in it. A mosquito, the amber. Yeah, the amber. And so they, they drilled in and they took the blood out and they got the, the, the DNA, the dino DNA yeah. from that. But it wasn't complete. They had to use a Brazilian tree frog to fill in the, 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 the DNA sequence. That is, that is synthetic data. And that didn't work out too well. Well, I do remember in the rest of the movie, the, all the dinosaurs got loose. It, it was a fiasco in Jurassic Park, but uh, we've, we've learned how to control AI a little bit better than that Thank God. <laughs> today. But uh, some of the applications are uh, in the machine, uh, machine learning and then also in, uh, in imaging. And I'm going to ask Michael to just give a, a couple of practical examples on where synthetic data plays in the supply chain logistics world. Absolutely. Yeah, give us some. Yeah, sure. Thanks for the handoff there, Mike. Um, so yeah, Michio Kaku, uh, the great physicist that was opening the show, was, was talking about AI, and AI certainly is being talked about a lot. Um, sometimes there are gaps that sit within that as you're training an AI machine, for example, and synthetics kind of helps fill that gap. 
So when you're looking at doing that, your hand, you could do multiple gestures with your hand, right? That's, that's a gesture, that's a gesture, this is a gesture. If you're giving somebody the bird, that's a gesture. And that OCR, <laughs> right, we talked about OCR earlier in the show, that's something you want to capture through computer vision and recognize that to fill in the gaps of the data. So when you're training an AI algorithm or training an AI, you want to make sure that accuracy is, is key. So using this, like in the freight world, we see this in the warehouse industry all the time, where you're using synthetic data of images that have been captured of pallets in certain angles. Is it broken here? Is there, is there errors here? To then populate back into the AI to then say, okay, now we can capture the missing data pieces. And then that can be also loaded into automation as well. So making sure that it's loaded onto the truck correctly, the straps are on correctly. And you can do that Strap. by using yeah, straps and, and AI. That's it. That's the answer to everyone's problems. Uh, but you can do that through synthetic data. And uh, it's really, really cool stuff. What's a digital control tower? That's something else you mentioned, another buzzwordy sounded thing that I think a lot of us already hear, and we're hey. like, I don't want to sound dumb, so I'm not going to ask. This, but I don't so, care if I sound dumb. I, it gongs and have a cowbell. No, that is, that's a great question. And so the, uh, you know, if you look at sort of the, like the evolution of visibility, um, going back to you know, after COVID, we had the, all these supply chain disruptions. Everybody you know, knows about all this. And there's exp this explosion of freight tech. And, you know, we, and I, I, I did want to point out, you know, there's, there are some you know, uh, snake oil salesmen out there who are, you know, they're... they're Name and shame, who are they? <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, but, uh, you know, but hey, Coca-Cola was snake oil also originally, sure. so, right? So they're, you know, they're, it's evolving technology, but there is, you know, maybe we'll say it wasn't ripe yet, some of the stuff that, that they brought out because there's this, you know, frenzy to get it to, to, you know, be part of this, uh, this freight tech explosion. But, you know, in, with all this going on, the... Uh, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of technology that people are looking at this, and the old conundrum is: Are we going to build this thing, or are we going to buy it? So, for us, we don't have a lot of people come to us and say, "Hey, listen, we need a TMS," because yeah. that's pretty. You know, they, they kind of got that, and the the applications are universal. But it, that space but is hard to disrupt. It, it is yeah. hard to disrupt. But if you want to, if you want to, for instance, you know, uh, drop AI into it. There's the, the one thing that, not the one thing, but a few things that, that you have to consider is when you're, when you're introducing any type of new technology into your systems, there is gonna be a ripple effect. So there's new processing requirements to, to, to think about. You're gonna have bigger data. You're gonna have potential security threats. So there's, you know, in the, on the, the outside of what's going on with whatever flavor of AI, for instance, that you're introducing to your systems, you're going to need a systems integrator to help with that. And uh, like, for instance, if you're doing synthetic AI and you want to introduce that, it's not really a thing you can buy off the shelf. It's, it's got to, it's really, there's a lot of customization that goes with that. So, you know, we're, we're working in that, in that space and we, we sit right in the middle of that. But like I said, like a, a TMS or even a, a, a digital control tower. So we're, okay, we're actually, Building, we're building a proof of concept for a digital. We call it a digital control tower. Most people yeah. refer to it as control tower, but we uh, we're putting together the skeleton of the POC as a foundation. So we so and we price this out. So if we use a Latin American team and they've got five developers in Latin America over three months, that's going to be about two hundred fifty thousand dollars for the POC. So 
That is what we're doing to come to our customers and go, hey, look, if you guys want to do this, we got some skin in the game. We want to partner with you guys. And by the way, I don't know if you know this or not, but if you are, uh, depending on what cloud platform you are, you know, all the different cloud platforms are buying for your business. They will pay for your proof of concept. I know uh, Google, for one, will pay up why? to... Why? Why are they... They will pay up to $300,000, Google, why, to though? develop... Like, why do they want it? Because they want your business so bad, they will buy it. They will buy it from Amazon, they'll buy it from Microsoft, from Azure. So we, we can help sort of move those cups around and potentially get funding for a proof of concept or even a minimum viable product. I got a question for you guys. What goes on at a hackathon? So, <laughs> Michael... Yeah, That's absolutely. Awesome. Uh, it just depends. So, like, Coca-Cola is, uh, we did a hackathon with them, and essentially you have a bunch of really, really intelligent people, much smarter than ourselves, get into a room to try to crack the code, if you will, and develop really cool software in an extremely pressure cooker environment and have a minimum viable product at the end. Um, so, like, they, they've done elements where they wanted to produce, if you've seen the Coca-Cola bottles, like, that have your name on them as well. Oh, yeah, like, sure. Like, it could say Tim or Michael or Michael yeah. Squared or Michael number two. Um, <laughs> That was, th those things come, like marketing campaigns and the application you can use for the rewards program came from that. So they used hackathons to, to see, okay, can we get some really good talent to build a really cool product that could take our business to the next level and appeal to con the consumer market a little bit more, um, which is really, really cool. But uh, to, to your point, Michael, on the control tower, I wanted to ask Tim, have you, have you seen what uh, like Maersk is doing with, with digital twins and kind of sure. their control tower? You know, great company. We all get to see the large companies and, and change and shift and evolve and leverage technologies in and out of microeconomic conditions. But one of the things they use to decrease their fuel costs and is using a, a digital twin, especially when you're talking about net zero and things like that. But to the control tower perspective, maturing that out into a digital twin where you have a physical object that is one-to-one -one replicated in the digital world, their digital twin essentially took cranes that were taking the containers off of the docks onto the boat and they put a scale on, the, on the, the crane to where they're able to measure in real time the weight, the dimensions of a container. So when it went onto the boat, they could put that directly where it needed to go within the weight and the framework to where it optimized the fuel cost, lowering that down to 20%. Um, but the cool thing about it is seeing it in real time, it's all there, it's all digital, and you can do that in the freight world with trucks as well, which is pretty cool. Well, great, guys. Where do they find you out on the floor? K25. Uh, near the puppies. All right, near, well, easy enough sell. Now, you haven't hit the gong yet, so we got to have you All come right. do that. i got a pair fair of enough, Fair enough, fair enough. I'll bring him right over. And then uh, I see Prasad waiting in the wings. He'll be up in a minute. Let's get you guys over here. Here's a hat for you. Give Mike, yeah, hold that for him. Mike squared. What do we think? That, that's reverberating. You gotta give the mallet back though, you gotta give the mallet back. Before I bring Prasad up here, anybody else, this last chance to hit this thing before we close down the competition and pick a winner. Who do we got? Who is that? Who's coming? Come on, yeah, here we go, come on, man. You asked, you're brave, you asked a question of Brad Jacobs. Hello everybody, it's Josh Lyles. All right, kill it, Josh. Representing Freightx. Boo this man! You can trust you, you that you're gonna leave like that? That's bad karma. You gotta go once more. That, I mean, that's gotta be a scratch, right? You can't leave Chattanooga like that. 
All right, you're not going to win, but I, I, like the, uh, I like the try, and I like that you went twice. You got on the bike. By the way, we got a lot of drivers here. Before we bring Prasad up, here's an innovative alarm you can all learn from. What do we got? Come on, all right, we got one more. Come on up. Oh, it is Craig Fuller Jr. <laughs> I'm McLean Fuller. He's the. All right, let's see it. Represent. Come on up. All right, Prasad, let's get on up here, man. Let's close this thing out well. Come on, brother. How you doing? I like that. I like that I have an uncorded mic, too. It makes it so much more better walking around. I get bored sitting here. Not like bored, but you know. Come on over to this one, Prasad. Hey, we're going to sit closer. We always sit close because you yeah. smell good. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> this man came up to hug me last night at uh, TI, and I was like, you smell good. And he's like, what is with all you people? Someone yesterday said I smell good, that's, too. That's, yeah, he's standing right there. Uh, we were sitting at dinner, and yeah. he looks at this. He smells good. That man said, right John, I'm, yeah. <laughs> Why didn't John Larkin hit the gong? I don't understand here. He's like one of the biggest winners in the room. You want it, John? After, when you win, Prasad's going. Now, Prasad, you, everyone knows, founder of Trucker Tools. But you're, at, you're, you're coming on a new phase in your life. I'll, I'll let you kind of take it away. Tell us what's new with you. What's going on? Um, so, first of all, uh, thank you. Thank you, Tim. You have always been a great friend. Um, your medium is by far the most entertaining and informative sessions. Yours are. And Freightways, uh, thank thanks for uh, having us here in the first place. So um, as I, you know, uh, as you said, I founded Trucker Tools many years back. Um, we've been a very, very successful business over the years. Uh, in my view, we've changed the space for good, right? I mean, we've really upped the bar on a lot of these startups. Well, what do you uh, think you did? What, like, what do you think was the biggest impact that Trucker Tools has made? So it's going to be very interesting. How much time do we have? Well, right there, we got about yeah oh. about twelve minutes before we gotta get to wrap. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So not not long. So I'm going to keep it short. Yeah. So um, Tucker Tools journey has been anything but normal. Okay. So a lot of you know I've started Tucker Tools back in 2009 when there were only 10 million smartphones, and here is a kicker: eight million of them were BlackBerry, so two million iPhones. So so early in the game, and. Today, we are the largest uh, platform for small carriers and owner operators. Not many people know, but by far the largest. How'd you do that? Um, and it's doing one thing, you know, it's like uh, running a marathon, putting one foot in front of the other, right? So I started off with a mobile app for small carriers and owner operators. Um, basically provided them cheapest fuel, truck stop guide, routing, and everything that they need on the road. Uh, got a lot of those guys uh, onboarded, then launched visibility to get into the broker space. Then we launched DFM. These are all the first moves in our space, pretty much. How did you scale it? How did you how did you build Trucker Tools to what it was? Um, all organic. So yeah. it took us uh, longer than what normally would uh, happen, but um, through partnerships. So when when I launched Trucker Tools. 
in the earlier days, we partnered with uh, Randall Riley Publications. Um, they've been very great with us. Um, we co-branded Truckatool's app as Overdrive's Truckatool. Uh, as you know, Overdrive has been the oldest and most recognized brand uh, among owner-operators. Um, my good friend over there, uh, I want to give him a shout out. Uh, okay. Robert Lake uh, has always been a great friend and uh, um, he, was, uh, he was behind that, uh, that partnership, helped me through that. Excellent. Well, you are maybe entering a new phase in your life, a new season of your life. Tell us what's recently sort of gone down. I, I believe you may have sold Trucker Tools. Is that true? Yes, yes. So, um, how much you get? <laughs> how much John get? Was he an investor? <laughs> <laughs> I see his head. <laughs> He's like, damn, I should have been. Uh, yeah, there are a few that uh, fast that way, but. Uh, um, so, uh, in 2021, uh, I sold the company to a private equity group called ASG. Okay. Um, they're, they're very nice. Uh, they really sold me on the idea of taking care of our customers. As you know, in our industry, you know, it's easy to sign up someone, but oh, yeah. very hard to carry them all your life. Uh, and the second part is the most important thing, because that's where your credibility is. Um, so, for me, customers have always been... Very important, they stood by me all these years. So that, that's the very first thing that I asked them. Uh, and uh, you know, they're very good people. They, they brought in a talent. Um, uh, you know, as a startup, you, you do things that, uh, what you, what's available to you? But yeah. when a private equity steps in, they bring in so much of a talent. Wow, you're like, wow, these guys know what they're doing. So that was two years ago. Two years now we're ago. in 2023. What, what's up now? Uh, <laughs> I see. I see. Your well, no, I mean, I mean, but you, do you have like any, any like, or just bring us into like the, those the, the you know the wind down trucker tools. Yeah, right? Not that yeah. trucker tools are winding down, but you are winding down a little bit. So that's true. So. Before you wind up again. <laughs> we'll have to see that part of it, but uh, um, so and by the end of this year, um, I'll be leaving trucker tools for good. Okay. And um, so it's going to be hard to say these words. So I've you know, thought about these words many times in my head. How do you leave a company that you founded? Yeah. Um, you know, bootstrap the whole thing. Uh, all the trials and tribulations, right, that go with it. Um, uh, you know, a good, good story I can share is I, I got married six years ago. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Um, we have a two-year-old. Um, I told my wife that you might always feel like you're the second in my life, but the first is always truck at all. Um, okay. So what, what did she always, say? Uh, <laughs> that's what she said. So uh, one, I time I brought, one time I brought a puppy home without telling my wife. <laughs> so we all screw up sometimes. I got something to show you. Here. What, oh, let me see. Hey. Is it? I don't know if your cameras can zoom in. Oh, it's like it's a Trucker Tools suit coat, and what does it say on the inside? Exclusively hand tailored for Prasad Galat. Who 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 tailored this for you? Um, there's a guy in uh, Malaysia or yeah. uh, Thailand, I think. Uh, he I thought you were gonna announce like a new company when you opened that. Oh, <laughs> I, I wish I could say, but it's all Trucker Tools, so you know, um, it's tattooed, tattooed uh, it, on my suit now, but uh, in my head always. In yeah, is it hard? Is it like it? I'm, I'm not a founder, but I can imagine if, like, I left What the Truck, someone took it over, I would get triggered if I saw them doing, like, anything, like, wrong, and it would, it would, it would be tough, and I probably wouldn't even be able to, 
to watch it. Is that sort of, do you have to remove yourself when you leave a company? You, you have to, you have to. So this is a conscious decision. You have to make, so when you make that decision, you have to think in this way that this company belongs to someone else. Yeah. Now you're advising them. So I, I, you know, I'm a strong guy. Like, you know, I, I feel like I know where, where I'm going. Uh, whether it's right or wrong, I know my decisions, right? So I'm very clear about that. I tell that to the operator, Carrie. Uh, you, you met our CEO. Yeah. Um, I told her Carrie's that, great, yeah. yeah. She's very nice. Uh, I told her, you know, I'm going to tell you what I think without filters, right? This is what we should do. That doesn't mean that you have to do the same thing. But I'm not going to hold back on my thoughts. Yeah. That's, you know, fairly, right? I can imagine. I, I kind of <laughs> want to hear some of your uh, unfiltered thoughts coming at it. It's exciting, though, man. You've, you've, done, you've done so so much with, with the brand and everything. I know you really can't say what you're on to next, but what, what excites you right now? Because, like, for example, I was listening to Brad Jacobs, and when I was walking out, my buddy Rob Boosie goes, you know, that guy's like 67 years old. He's got 20, you know, 30 summers left. Why you're a billionaire? Why start a new company? You had a, you had a, I'm imagining a pretty nice exit to private equity. Why don't you just, why don't you just retire? Why don't you just go buy a beach house? <laughs> That's, that would be the easiest one, right? Yeah. Um, uh, I, I think a lot of it, Tim, is who you are, right? Um, I'm not very comfortable just sitting at home and doing nothing. Yeah. Um, you found your passion for a reason, right? Um, when I started Trucker Tools, I was in a very cushy job uh, with Get Loaded. We got acquired by DAT back then. Um, and, you know, you could do this forever, right? Um, but I wanted to do this by my own um, because I truly believed in entrepreneurship, startups, where you could make an impact. And um, a few times I, sh I shared this story with everyone. The story behind Trucker Tools is... Um, when I was at Get Loaded, we've raised the rates from $35 to $45. So it's only $10. One of the owner operator cancels the membership. So I called him. I said, so let's call him Bob. Bob, it's only $10. You canceled us. So apparently he has two other memberships, the AT truck stop back then. But one of the key things he told me was, he said, Prasad, it's $10, but you know what other expenses I have to pay. So by the time he gave me a lowdown on everything, one of the state things that he said in that conversation I'll never forget is, Prasad, sometimes I have to choose between putting food on the table for my family versus putting fuel to run my truck. Um, these small guys make a huge difference. They move the majority of the loads. So back then, the decision that I have taken is anything that I do would help them in their lives. That is the primary goal. And hence, you know, Trucker Tools has always been with the small carriers and owner operators. You know, everything that we built, we listened to them. They have had numerous conversations with them. Any new feature that we put into the, the product, I would talk to these guys before, ask them how they felt about it. Would, you know, the suggestions, you would be surprised. They ran our product strategy for the first few years. Yeah. They said, hey, why can't you put Walmart listing? Why can't you do this? Why can't you do that? If you listen to them, they are the, the champions. And when the little guy is profitable, the one truck guy is profitable, everyone in this industry is profitable. Everyone in this industry is profitable. So, you know, taking care of what matters the most. That's why I started Rocket Tools. 
What advice do you have? Because some people look at this market and they go, freight recession, who can ever start it? But it's very easy to make excuses and talk yourself out of stuff. What advice do you have for either first-time founders or founders-to-be, people out here who are looking at everything and they're ready to launch their next great idea? Is now a good time to start a company? Does oh, it yeah. matter? Does the market matter? Or is yeah. it like, I got an idea and I got the passion and that's all that matters? That's all that matters. So, you know, in 2009, the market was down when I started Trucker Tools. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, startups... If you have a great product, great idea, don't start with a solution. That's my first thing. Don't run away, you know, walk away with a horseshoe, right? You have to find the problem. If the problem is a common problem and you are passionate about it, you have to go out and do that. But be genuine, be realistic. Don't have a, an impression of the reality. You have to be real on what's happening, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I, and I want to go back to your previous question, what am I doing? Um, definitely, I love what I do. So, uh, yeah. my, you know, my goal is um, to stay within the industry and not leave. Um, I also love to work until I die, um, if my, you know, my family allows me to do that. Uh, <laughs> but work as long as I can, as yeah. long as I'm adding value. Um, I love startups. I love uh, the whole entrepreneurial journey. There are so many people out there. Um, I see, oh man, they got good ideas. Uh, they're just, you know, trying to figure out their way, right? Throw uh, some shine, throw some light. Is there <laughs> something out there you really liked that you saw? Um, I'll, I'll keep it for the next conversation. This the next about, conversation. Yeah, oh, this is about this. It's got to so. be close to the. You got to be close to the vest a little bit. <laughs> so, what's your plans outside of starting a freight tech company? What What is your next plans as you wait for next year or or whatever company you're going to start? Um, you know, pretty much decide on what I want to do, how do I want to help these guys, you know, what level of involvement I, I want to have with them. Just take a vacation, sir. So it's, oh, you gotta, you gotta slow down. When's the last time you took a vacation? Um, fortunately, recently. Really? Recently, Where'd you go? Um, San Diego. Oh. Did you go to the zoo? Uh, we went to the zoo. That was the fantastic trip. Yeah. Yeah, there was like, I mean, you, you have kids, you have to take that. My daughter loved it, loved it so much. Uh, she liked the bus ride. Yeah. Um, it, it's fantastic. And then seeing all the live animals uh, was great. We stayed on the beach. Um, that was good. What, what's the hardest, before I let you go, what is, the har what is the hardest but most important lesson you learned in your time with Trucker Tools? It's going to be difficult to say one lesson because, yeah. you know, if you have done this journey, there's going to be so many lessons, tidbits that come to you. But the, the hardest and the most important lesson is, when I started Trucker Tolls, I've also started two other businesses. One is Take My Order Place, which is basically DoorDash today, right? It went very well. But I realized that it needs a lot of money and a new team and everything. Then I also have another website that I was hoping I would start called Taxi Dips. Fortunately, someone did Uber. Yeah. Um, so see, he saved me from all the pain. Um, but I've had two other businesses. Um, so yeah. having four businesses all at the same time yes. is crazy. So you got to pick your lane, pick one at a time, put all your effort. Stay That's the, right the biggest way. lesson. Keep your focus. It's time for side. I got a, I got a hat for you. Oh, thank you. We got to get you to ring this gong. And I think we got to bring Mr. Larkin up. He would be a, a great one to close this out with. There's the gong right there. The mallet. Hit it, Prasad. I'm going to try this. To your success in the future. Out of time, I gotta bring Mr. Larkin up here really quick. John, come on up, man. 
I think you're gonna, I think you're gonna tear the brass off that gong. <laughs> Here you go, John. Say hello to everyone really quick. Greetings, everybody. John, the great John Larkin, Venture 53. Oh, he's winding up. Oh my gosh. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Don't pull it, Andrew Leto. There we go. Beautiful. And I think, I, look, it, it was tough. It, I think, guys, it probably comes down to Lombard or Daigle. I think I might have to give it to Daigle for the Tomahawk. We got to give it to Richie Daigle over at Tive. Richie, I will bring uh, the mini gong over your way. Thanks for joining us for What the Truck. Enjoy the rest of F3, and we'll uh, what, see you at the aquarium tonight.